think I'm doing those eyes. <laughs> I think I'm in love. It was terrifying. The pain, the, the fear of being eaten. I was drowning at the same time. I just accepted that I was going to die. Was there a bit of fandom for you when it came on? Oh, you huge. And I did not try to hide. <laughs> did not try to hide at all. Out of the Box with Serge Negus on FBI. You can head to fbiradio.com to catch up on mornings or any other program on FBI. Now, today I'm joined by someone who's a living byproduct of internet subcultures. And she joins me because she's got some pretty amazing stuff happening with Sydney Mardi Gras. She's curating, or basically the creative director of Sissy Ball. But beyond that, her evolving artwork spans multiple disciplines, focuses on Indigenous representation, queer people of colour, various, various topics that are super in at the moment, that's for sure. And she's doing an incredible job at it. It is Benji Ra, of course, who I'm sure you know, a huge representative of Sydney's queer scene and absolutely someone to be celebrated in this month that is the month of Mardi Gras. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Serge. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, listeners. Fantastic. Now, look, I mean, we've got to get a little bit of a background into your story, though, for sure, which I do with everyone that comes on this show. Can you tell us a little bit about where you came from in in Sydney and what your childhood was like? Okay. Actually, I'm not from Sydney. It's a lie. (laughs) Um, No, I'm from, like, country town, New South Wales. Which country town? Maria. Do you know where that is? Down on the south coast? Yeah. Nice. Yes. So, I'm a country girl. Um, So, basically, grew up in Maria, like... There was around 5,000 people when I was there. Maybe it's six now. It's pretty damn small It's town, pretty it? small. <laughs> it's um, it's fair, but it's like a country town. So I guess everyone knows what like that is. Um, so I grew up there. I started dancing when I was like, uh, there was like no dance school. Like my mom like didn't put me into a dance school. Like I was so angry about that because it was like 30, 40 minutes away. So I kind of like just started dancing in my lounge room. And then I... Um, Oh, yeah, I started dancing at church. <laughs> like, at church? At church. Wow. It was, like, super weird, like, Pentecostal church. You're kidding. No, not kidding What was that all. experience like for you? Well, it was, like, I was, like, dying to dance and dying to, like, from my experience of, like, learning to dance, it was, like, watching, like, video clips, like, a lot of Missy Elliott clips. And I remember there was, like, a visiting, like, visiting, like, church dance group that came to our church, and I was, like, oh, my God, maybe I can convince my church to, like, to start a dance group up. And then nice. I can just, like, just, like, start to, like, low-key, like, integrate, like, Missy Elliott. Like, instrumental only, though. Like, just no language yeah. checks. So, so, so it's like, getting rid of the... the yes, yeah. So, pretty church. much, like, my first perform- performance was, like, at church. But it was, like, past the Dutch, like, the instrumental <laughs> version. Like, so no one, like, could, like, kick me out. That's hilarious. Yeah, but... That's it's perfect, really. It is perfect. <laughs> like, I was already remixing and, like, you know, taking up space and stuff. And so what <laughs> kind of dances were you doing then in, in church? Um, it had to be, like, I remember, like, the first, maybe, like, the first kind of, like, hate speech I got was, like, from a member of the church. And they were, like, oh, like, you can't be, like, dancing in midriffs. Because I was, like, trying to, like, really try it with a midriff yeah, at yeah, church. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, it kind of... There was, like, definitely, like, you couldn't do too many body rolls. Like, yeah. it kind of had to be, like, kind of, like, square dancing. <laughs> do you remember the song, um, like, Take the Shackles Off My Feet? Like, Mary, 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 wait, it's Mary, Mary? Yes. Do you remember yeah, the yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, that was also, like, the only song we could dance to as well. <laughs> and there was, like, a there was like a set choreography that we just, like, How yeah. do you think that kind of, I guess, conservative um, culture around how you first started dance influences, influenced your dance, I guess, especially to where it's evolved to now? I guess it kind of made me kind of be creative in a very, like, structured way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it also kind of, like, had me, like, kind of taking charge and, like, having my own autonomy to kind of, like, start dancing myself, like, Basically, the first classes I really started to, to do were, like, classes I was already teaching, like, so, um, yeah, I guess it's just, like, that kind of, like, self-taught kind of creativity that kind of just has kind of progressed in my whole career, just, like, teaching myself and, like, just, like, learning to do things without asking people and stuff as well. So yeah. just creating your own steez, basically. Yeah, just kind of, like, carving out my own space, like, where it hasn't been created. For sure. That's yeah. an amazing way to go about it. And, I mean, I guess then, you, so you've grown up in, in Maria, and then when did you actually um, come to the big city life, I guess, in Sydney? 
Um, okay, so I skipped Sydney and I like moved straight to New York. Did you? Yeah, there was like this country, um, like a country kids scholarship. Like it was like between like some like scout group and like Women's Country Association. And they basically like raised funds for a year and they would give like $15,000 to like, a kid to like, I don't know, achieve their dreams mm-hmm. or whatever. So I basically was like, I want to go to fucking New York. <laughs> so I know. So this girl went to New York and that was really, really intense. But so basically, yeah, I skipped Sydney. I had never experienced like what Sydney was or mm. like, like, you know, queer life in Sydney or clubbing in Sydney. I just moved straight to New York. Straight to the beach, <laughs> like the literal the, yes. where the name comes from. I yeah. Guess. But, I mean, it's how old were you when you went to New York? 18. 18. Yes. And what was your experience there like? Was it overwhelming, um, I guess? Yeah, I was like very, very like innocent. Like I had no idea about anything. I didn't really have any gay friends. I had never met another trans person. Um, I went there to dance out of like a modern dance school, like to train as a contemporary dancer and after that I basically didn't like the dance style and my friend was like into voguing and stuff and was like you need to start voguing come down to the like the peers like the Chelsea peers and do that with us so um and I also started clubbing as well like very at a very young age so because it's like <laughs> you have to be 21 over there right yeah so you gotta, you, I can imagine you I know sneaking in. it was so bad like I definitely <laughs> Uh, I I always just remember this person's passport that my friend gave me and every time I would look at it I just would like send a little prayer to them like I'm so sorry that you don't <laughs> have your passport but like I like I'm sure like one day I will t- return the favor but yeah it was a coming of it was a coming of age for me for sure amazing and I yes. mean so how did you you know when you first got into the voguing scene over there I mean how yeah. much did that I guess like influence you now like I mean obviously yeah. it's, it's become a huge part of your life now but when you first were there when you first yeah. experienced that what, what did you think um did it blow your mind or I I guess uh I guess voguing itself like the actual culture and dance style was already integrated so much a, a part of like my friends like DNA there that it wasn't really like a thing that like there was so much more there's a lot of other things that were like kind of like going on at the time as well and like voguing was just a part of that like it was a part of being like you know a queer like latino or black kid that you know hung around like um 14th street like that was just like you just evolved and you also went out and you also hung around like sit marks like it was just what you did yeah it was just a normalcy about it and i kind of didn't really um kind of find out like i didn't really like really grasp like the like the depth of Vogue when until I came back to Australia and was like oh like wow like I was just like all in that and in a way that yeah in that very small amount like it was like a year and a half that I was there but like a lot of that culture a lot of the the culture of like queer people of color especially like just like seeing like trans women and stuff like that just kind of like take these spaces and be like these super strong women I would see like a lot of like you know just like people defending themselves and stuff like that for me that was like oh like this is what it means to be you know queer or trans it's like you have to survive in this very harsh world and that was my first experience basically yeah if the if you haven't seen i mean i'm sure you have but if you if you're listening in you haven't seen paris is burning which is an amazing film about the the voguing scene in new york i highly recommend going and checking it out um but i mean how did you then yeah, when you came back home, I guess, like, was there much of a scene here for you when you came back home in that regard to, to integrate those kind of things that you learnt in New York and back here? Um, I came back and I was, like, quite, like, I don't know. I felt like I had been, like, totally rejuvenated or just, like, not rejuvenated, just kind of given this new life. And then, yeah, I was kind of, like, disappointed to see, like, that things weren't kind of, like, progressive here or there wasn't, like, I was just like, oh, like, you know, a lot of people say this like you just go into Australia and you're like oh like where are all the brown people or something Mm. like it's just like you look around the street or like you just go in and out of Sydney you can't really go to the suburbs or whatever and you just say oh like there's just white people here or like you look on TV and it's just like white people as well so in that regard that's kind of like I was like oh yeah like that's a reminder of like where we are Um, but there was um, because I started to train under Benny Ninja in New York he was asked to come out to Australia to teach a workshop to a like indigenous um, 
indigenous like queer group that were like getting into voguing they were called like the house of black star and they were performing at like the deadly awards and like yaban festivals and um all that kind of stuff so he was like you need to go there and teach them and actually i did and yeah it was really nice that i could come back and it just felt right that that voguing like the stuff that i had learned about voguing and voguing culture was kind of like they were the first people that I was like really kind of sharing that with and it just made sense so we kind of like rehearsed and did stuff performed for about like three or four years after that yeah well it's an incredible really a timeline of your story so I mean it, it's happened relatively quickly mm. in the sense of like how much you've involved in such a cultural icon really in in, in Sydney mm. and I mean how much do you kind of feel like the scene here has got to give like do you think that it's just growing and growing um, I think so. I think the more, like, the more the platforms come about, like, the kids will come out. I think, like, kids out in the suburbs, that's kind of, like, where all my goals are at, mm. kind of are very comfortable to stay out there and to not, and to kind of just, they just have already a mentality that, that, you know, Oxford Street isn't for them and they just do their own thing and they're very isolated. But I think giving platforms just kind of encourages them to kind of take that space and for you know people in the brink to you know to finally come out and connect and to mm. grow together as a collective so I don't know I have hope that I was very like um suspicious when people were always asking me about that you know the Vogue scene in Australia or like what's it what's like under underground I was like literally it's not underground there's just none like yeah, yeah, yeah you know sure. and sometimes it's just like there's none because there has never been an opportunity or there's just not the space or something yeah. like that. So tell us more about like you know your connection then to the to the suburbs. I guess like in in, in the west because for you it's yeah it's, it, you've mm. created quite a, a connection to it and you're yeah. highlighting it as as a space that people are now becoming interested in. I mean like yeah. tell us why people should yeah. just look outside of the the inner city and they should start looking west. Yeah, I think it's called. Um, I think the term's called metro normativity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. It's just like kind of like centering like the city as this like epic center, epicenter of like where everything revolves around and that sometimes anything outside of that is dangerous. And mm. it's like it happens everywhere. It happens in all kind of cities and countries. And it like it leaves people in those areas kind of isolated and feeling um, also disconnected to something that, um, you know, something that, as the LGBT that is connected to you know, that is naturally connected to the city or something. So, um, yeah. What was the question again? Well, just like, like, why should people start looking oh, why? at this to, to, you yes. know, to experience culture and experience kind of diversity and experience? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think guess it's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's all a part of like that decentering of that and looking outside of like, you know, queerness as like not just your standard, you know, Oxford Street, um, white male, like dominated gay thing that it's like much more bigger and there's a lot of like cultural like intersections and there are a lot of things that are going on out in the west and that the suburbs have their own like language and um you know skill and craft that is like could really you know shift things and you know bring about a freshness that's needed for sure i'd vouch that 100 <laughs> percent. now look we've got to get into the music because this yes. is a part music show you've got some great stuff for us today cool. what are you going to play for us the song number one i just want to play you like a really cute track that i'm really into right now just like kali uchi's like after the storm it's such a cute collaboration with like tyler and um bootsy so yeah
today is Benji Ra, who you no doubt know exactly who Benji is. Benji is this multidisciplinary artist who's been absolutely killing it of late. And you know Benji probably most for the amazing dance, in particular voguing, done around the city in the West, you know, around here, and also at Sissy Ball coming up for Mardi Gras. Now, uh, look, moving forward, you've stated that your gender is fluid. I mean, and that it's not set by kind of the prescriptions of Western gender systems. I mean, can you elaborate on that for us a little bit and what you mean by that? Um, sure. So I guess I came into my kind of like gender identity through my cultural identity. I think I was always kind of a weirdo and didn't really like feel like I was, um, I didn't really ever identify as a male, but, um, also kind of like felt like that transness was something that I didn't really fit into either. So, but actually finding like going back to the Philippines a lot, my mom's from the Philippines and then realizing that, you know, cultural identity is very much like in like intersex, um, kind of like it weaves into your like, um, gender identity as well. So yeah. And like that um, Western identities and stuff like that are kind of just like these boxes that people maybe just, you know, fall into just because sometimes. So I don't know. I, I really believe that um, that cultural identity and stuff like that keeps it more open. I identify as like as Bakla most of the time, which is like the third gender in the Philippines. And mm-hmm. it just... Um, it means something like deeper than it's like it doesn't even like translate into trans it's just kind of like it talks about like spirituality and like your inner self as this as a gender and not like that has nothing to do with that, your outer body um yeah it's definitely something that, i mean i think that needs to be more discussion about yeah I mean, like, in the, like, i mean in classic australian white culture i mean everything's so black and white mm-hmm. and if you're a boy you like you know kind of blue and if you're a girl you like pink right I mean, you know what's what's been your experience like growing up with that culture mostly surrounding you you know how big an influence did that have, have on you growing up like was it like a troubling thing or was it just something you navigated around I think I just always, I always knew that I was different and I think we are kind of, of course, like there's some, there's always that conditioning that you're kind of expected to, you know, um, take part in and that there's, yeah, there's a huge societal like pressure, especially living in the West, especially growing up in a country, like a country town, like all of those things. But um, for me, like I was, I've been... I've been very kind of strong headed, like from a young age. So I've just, I just put myself in a box where I was just like, I'm a weirdo. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out one day and I'm still kind of figuring it out. But it's just like that. It's kind of like more. Yeah. I just kind of disregarded a lot of things when I was growing up, like a lot of like rules and expectations that were kind of put on me and my body and all of those things. For people who, you know, I guess might not be as headstrong, who might be going through the same kind mm-hmm. of transitional, 
issues when they're a kid like i mean how do you think we can better it in society for people who don't fit into these structures that we've created of black and white i guess right i think yeah looking back i think the best things for me were just like having space like having space to become and having having options and having like you know it's just as as innocent as you know I don't know. Yeah, having spaces where you can express your identity and, you know, develop, you know, ideas of becoming so that you don't ever feel like you have to fall in or mold into something Mm. into the future and that, you know, the future is something that's really bright and positive and has a lot of possibility. And it's not something that, you know, like I really dreaded growing up when I was a kid because I was like, oh, this won't last very long and I'll have to one day just like fall into this box or whatever so I think like thinking about the future is this thing that you know that you're you can be a part of and imagining that you you know can survive is something else so for sure and in terms of like breaking it down into a way way more simple level like when you're talking about spaces like are these spaces that we can physically create are they youth centers are they you know dance venues are they what do you mean by that just so for people who might not know Mm -hmm. what you mean when you say a safe space or a space in general yeah i mean i just like think about like kids and their like mothers or their sisters or Mm -hmm. their fathers and having them as their role models as well and them giving them the space so like you know not kind of choosing what um you know like what they're gonna wear today or just giving them like the you know, agency to kind of like have that choice of like expression, you know, it just, it's not even about gender sometimes. It's just about like opening that door of expressions to be had and to have that conversation with them that it's not, it's not about following rules. It's actually about, you know, taking charge of your own stuff so that, you know, that you can, you know, have that, um, yeah, that have that. The freedom know, to yeah, express freedom, who you exactly. are, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's an interesting one because I think that people maybe get com- confused about how they can actually go about, um, you know, addressing these issues themselves. And, and that, your attitude, right. the attitude of a parent, the attitude yes. of a friend yeah. is, is vitally important. That in itself can create yeah. a space that makes someone feel comfortable about who they yeah. are. Yeah, right? just don't be a dick and don't, like, <laughs> don't project your own shit onto, like, kids. Like, kids know from a very young age. And, you know, I'm always, like, so blown away by, you know, trans kids from a young age who, like, you know, declare that I am not, you know, I am not a boy. I am a woman. Mm. You know, there's something very... Um, you know, phenomenal about that. And I think that is inherently in kids, they have this like pure form. And I think that can only ever be crushed by, you know, the jaded adult who, you know, didn't get to experience that or has these ideas or has been conditioned in a way. Mm. For sure, no, that's <laughs> I'm totally there. I mean, I've been, speaking of that kind of power of, of those that that sort of thing. I mean, like you, if you look at the states, I mean, there's there's some politicians who have just been elected to office in the states who are trans for the first time. Like, right. I'm sure it's only not like I mean, it'll be very soon. I think that that'll yeah. be happening here in Australia as well, which is something yes. we can all look forward to. Now, look, moving on to the music again. Number two song. What are you going to play for us? You reckon? Um, Quaidash. Yeah. Uh, Ash is actually coming to the Sissy Ball. Yeah. Amazing. She's a rapper from NYC. She's really, really good. She's, tell, us, tell us about her. She's super underground, but she plays at a lot of clubs. What I like about her is like, she's got a lot of music out and she's, her craft is really good. Her flow is sick. Um, she's, uh, she's trans. She's living in New York. She's all about that life. So it's really important for her for me to bring her out and for her to be a part of this as well and how close are you guys are you good mates um, we're Instagram friends <laughs> um, she knows me I know her but that's it yeah. are you going to take her out for a party when she gets here as well oh, we're taking all the girls out for a party nice yes. so that'll be a ball for sure Y'all copy who? Wait, 
dash that BX shit. Black bra with an attitude. I don't fuck with none of y'all. Smoke drink with none of y'all. All I do is count money. Cancun with a honey. Coke nose stay runny. Good top, call a gummy. Ass top like a bunny. Y'all niggas ain't funny. I'm the best, fuck you talking about. Y'all unk niggas need to walk it out. Hardest dude up in your crew, talk shit, you get slutted out. That's word to my 30, y'all. Pull up in the 730, y'all. Hit y'all niggas with the semi, please forgive me if I fucking never heard of y'all. Hut one, hut two, I don't care what y'all sluts do. Got niggas on the plus two when they all take it in the butt two. Bad bitch in the snake skin, know you hating you a fake friend. Got me rolling with my skate spin, niggas trash and they waste spin. These niggas, this pussy, they so flex vagina. Rainbow like this shit was designer yeah. Fuck them on a leather recliner Smudging on my lipstick and my Mac makeup liner yeah. Yeah. Eating good at the diner Bar so fucking nice, so you might as well sign her wow. I ain't got time for no whiners He was fucking weak, so I had to decline him yeah. I'm punching bitches in they mouth, watching hoes bleed You know these hating niggas nosy like a nosebleed Keep it real, keep it trill, sippin' O.E. Wildin' at the club, dressed and I blow weed. Got this nigga gassed up with a hard dick. But he ain't really into me being a hard chick. But when you fuckin' with the boys, face the hardships. On my Pink Friday in the starships. Call me China Dog, feelin' like I'm Fox Brown. Had the beat, taught me how to keep my blocks down. So I pull up with the stick, blow your block down. All my pieces hittin'. Click clack on that ass, pull the trigger back. Ain't met your fucking brain in the Philly cat. Each of me I mix, bitch, you got the kitty cat. Fuck up out my face with your little chitty chat. These niggas, this pussy, they so flag vagina. Rockin' rainbow like that shit was designer. Fuck them on the leather recliner. Smudging on my lipstick and my Mac makeup liner. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today is Benji Ra, someone who's paving the way for a future for queer and trans people and people of colour to stamp their mark on our society here in Australia. Now, look, you're, you've got, you cross across so many different disciplines. Like, obviously, you've got the, the dance, but there's so much more to it. Can you explain to us exactly what you, I guess, how you define your art? Um, I guess I talk about my art when it comes to, like, themes and like what I'm interested in, it's 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 always changing when it comes to like the form. So like it could be performance, it could be video. I just um, printed out. I just had a big print um, made onto like fabric recently. So um, yeah, I mean when it comes to themes, it's always kind of talking about. Um, it's basically looking at um, looking at the world through my lens and kind of like having that theoretical um, lens of myself, so all of my knowledges and kind of like giving that kind of space. So, you know, I'm not super academic or I don't have a super like, uh, I don't have a um, history of going to art school, but I look at it as like, oh, I already have a cultural understanding. I have these knowledges that, you know, have a lot of history and depth and why shouldn't they be acknowledged just as the next person or something. So, yeah, it's a lot about like intersections of cultural identity and queer identity. It's about, you know, hybridized um, being like a hybrid identity and how you negotiate, you know, the worlds. I think if you've seen my performances, they just kind of always feel... I don't know what they feel like, but they kind of maybe feel a little bit off. Not off, but like there's always there's always a lot happening. Yeah. And is that like just I guess that, that off feeling, is that is that a deliberate attempt to try and kind of I guess highlight the experience of of, of a trans person or the, the way in which your cultural identity has been impacted by the society that you're surrounded in, I guess, with Western culture? Yeah, I think it's not ever not ever clean or not not ever kind of like super finished because I like to kind of think about um, space and possibility and kind of like that it's always changing or there's like this idea of like always in transition or something like that. Yeah. Is it something how like 
much do you like put into these works? Are they, like, do you, are they things that take months? Are they things that just yeah. pop up quickly? Do you have these moments of inspiration? How does it all come together for you on a creative level? Um, on a creative level, there are sometimes collaborations between my friend and I, Justin Shoulder. So we have a small kind of collective and we just like kind of take on commissions sometimes for a gallery or um, a festival. So, I mean, it could take like, you know, three months to make a video if we like go to the Philippines and shoot, you know, a video work. Um, but performance wise, sometimes it takes, you know, a few weeks or um, if I've just been, but I think like people are always like, oh, like you just get out there and do it. Like, it's so crazy. Like, do you know? <laughs> Like you don't even like rehearse or whatever, but I think about ideas all the time. So I feel like it's always going on. Like I'm always thinking about something and it's just something like it just needs to be manifested out in some way. And who are some of the the people that are inspiring you you most yourself, like in, in the art world here in Australia and internationally as well? Like who are the key players that you really get blown away by at the moment? Um... Good question. <laughs> Probably all of my friends. And yeah. I don't know if I can name them yeah. all, but Ooh, like... Whoever you want, go for I it. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someone will hurt me. <laughs> no, okay, um, okay. I won't put okay, you on the okay. spot then. We won't name them. Yes. Okay, cool. Just my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, look, uh, moving on to the music again. The next song you're going to play for us. What, what do you got? Oh, what did I tell... What did I give you? Is it Faka or... Oh, yes. Faka. Yeah, so Faka is... Um, uh, um, a duet, a duo from South Africa, and they're kind of like there's a lot of amazing music coming out of South Africa right now. There's a really incredible queer scene that is just like um, booming. Um, there's a DJ coming out from South Africa to play for the Cecil Ball, who's um, kind of a part of this collective as well. So yeah, amazing. What where, when has that scene like? Where is that scene predominantly based in South Africa? Cape Town. In Cape Town. Yeah, mostly. Have you in Cape spent Town. any time there? No, I haven't. Yeah. I've just kind of been watching, kind of like from an online Observing. perspective, yeah. just being like, wow, like this is really really cool. Is it, are you gonna plan a trip anytime soon, Drake? Yeah, I think this year. Hundred <laughs> percent. Sounds amazing. Well, let's whack it on. <laughs> Shy, you are mine. You shy, 
listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today has been Benji Ra, someone who's paving the way for a future for queer and trans people in this city and around Australia with some incredible art. Now, look, something that many people of diverse cultural backgrounds have, I guess, you know, repeated one after the other at some point in their life is that, you know, they've, they've felt like they've had to attempt to assimilate, I guess, into white and Western culture. I mean, do you, why do you think that happens? And, and did you experience anything like that? Um... I, okay, one, I think people do it for survival. I think it's very, like, intimidating. Um, like, white Australia culture can be very intimidating if you don't have people around you that you can kind of, like, feel, like, maybe familiar with. I think, like, looking back on my experience, I um, kind of thought that being different was cool. I kind of, like, looked at my mom and then looked at my dad and was like, oh my God, mom's so much cooler than dad. Just kind of like, you know, I was like, <laughs> like, I love my dad, but like, I was just like, wow, it's like, it's a difference between like steak and potatoes or like, you know, adobo chicken or something. And I was like, you know, mom has so much flavor. I'm like, mom is crazy. Mom is like, blah, blah, blah. But um, like my brother, like never identified as Filipino growing up. Like he would just be like, no, we're just Australian. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, why are you saying this? And I think it's because he was kind of more into like, like surf culture or like skate culture, like growing up. And I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't ever, I don't ever like, you know, like shame anyone for doing that. But I also, I also see people who've done that and eventually they come around to this kind of like, oh, actually, I've kind of like been dealing with like, you know, racism all my life that has been kind of very backhanded or something. And then um, people give spaces for those people to finally kind of like speak about that. Yeah. I think it's a fascinating point to make is just how um, strong that pressure can be from white Australian culture to kind of assimilate. Because like, even if you look at it on a cultural sense, I mean, there are so many levels to which people just fit into the standard right. mold, whether it's yeah. wearing suits or wearing white shirts or black shirts or whatever it is. It, it, it's even like trends. People just kind of subscribe to it because uh -huh. it just feels like this outward pressure just constantly. Yes. And I mean, like that is just time at tenfold for anyone that's yes. not white, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating way to look at it. I mean, do you think that that's something that we could kind of break down, um, you know, in any particular way? How do you go about kind of changing that so that we have a more diverse culture in general? I think, you know, I just think it's about role models on like role models, just like for people to see themselves represented. I think some of the time, I think you can feel very like erased if there's like no... Like there's no kind of face on in media that looks like yours or there's like never ever like a narrative that kind of has ever fitted your story that's on like, you know, TV or a TV series or something like that. So for me, it's about that kind of representation. As, as soon as like you see yourself represented, you're like, oh, I exist. Like, you know, like I don't have to feel... Um, you know, invisible in this sense. I don't have to, you know, feel that I have to assimilate just to kind of like feel like I have a voice or whatever. So yeah, I think it comes down to like visibility of like people of color, queer people of color, trans people in media and all of those kind of like platforms. And it's Australia's true. the worst for that. Like, it's so bad for that. I mean, like, like honestly, <laughs> like the visibility for both queer and trans people in Australia's media cities is barely there, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And I mean, especially even like there are, there are people that are queer within our media scene, but 
I guess they're almost kind of told not to project that queerness and they, they just come across as being just a regular Joe Blow. They could be anything. Do right. you know what I mean? Like yes, if you look yeah. at them wearing their suits, what, like presenting the television, you know what I mean? People aren't yeah, able yeah. to, I guess, project their identity on, on yeah. our screens, are they? Yeah. I mean, for me, like for me, it's more important like that something more visibility, like, like racial visibility is like more important to me. I don't know. I just feel like... Like, yeah, it's, like, it's different with maybe, like, queerness or something. And I guess it's, like, I think gay and lesbian stuff has kind of just fitted, like, you know, like, there is representation now of, like, gay and lesbians, but mm. it's, like, the conservative gays and lesbians. And so that's, it's like, like intersectionality. Yeah, like, it's just, like, giving space for, like, other, you know, it's, like, there's a certain type of, like, gay and lesbian, like, that the media will put out, you know, like, that are just, like, kind of, like, that are conservative, that are white, and, you know, they will play on that, and there's, like, the, the pink dollar now, and all of that kind of thing. So I think for me it's about kind of, like, breaking that down and being like, okay, like, well, where's the, you know, the you know the black trans girl, like, you know, the, like, you know, the Aboriginal sister girl in this kind of story, like, that does that fit your mold? Like, so at the moment it's just, like, like each mold needs to kind of be broken down. It's definitely a really good point. I mean, like, it's it's almost like it's the new the new battlefront for the rights movement in many ways, like all the battlefront that's evolved. And that, I mean, mm. I think that trans people have such an important role to play because they're almost coming from these diverse backgrounds and and mm-hmm. just really highlighting those issues of of race and gender within the media. I mean, do you think that there's any particular people that you'd really like to, I guess, like put up in those roles, anyone that you think that should be getting more attention that they, that aren't at the moment? Um, myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. You can vote for yourself. No, I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. Uh, no, there's like plenty of like, I'm really bad with names. So I'm just, I'm never going to, I never do shout outs on the like, <laughs> um, radio, but um, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't nickname any individuals, no but words. it's more like, I don't know, like, looking at America and stuff like that and looking at, like, even, like, London, it's, like, those kind of role models, like, you know, Monroe Berghoff, who, like, she was, you know, like, L'Oreal got her for her, like, you know, got her to be the first trans girl to, like, you know, be on the L'Oreal campaign, and then she, like, spoke out about, like, racism, like, uh, like, structural racism, and they fired her. So it's not just about kind of coming out and having, like, people represent, you know, trans people. It's like, oh, can they, like also represent other things like you know like you know their their culture and stuff like that without kind of like intimidating the whole like like infrastructure totally yeah and i mean look we're gonna move on unfortunately because we're getting to the end of the program now but one thing we do have to to get to is obviously running through exactly what is going to happen at this sissy ball which is what what's the date it's the 24th of february yes. right that's happening yeah and and run us through what you've got installed for everyone because it sounds pretty damn exciting. Um, okay, so the Sissy Ball, so it's like a Vogue Ball, and I took on the I took on creative director because it's a chance to like bring everybody together. So people from Auckland, like all of my girls from Auckland are coming. Everyone from Australia that's involved in the Vogue scene here as well is like having like this is the first time that we've ever like come together. It's kind of like a summit of all like the girls and all. It's an this amazing thing. way to look at it. Yeah, a it's a summit. It's like a really like a call to action for. All the girls and so not only that is that we also have like you know legends from the folk scene like Laomi and Deshaun coming from New York so it's um it's completely like affirming our you know our very kind of like baby culture here that's just kind of like starting out but it's affirming that it's like you know that's here and it's alive and it's you know taking space so the CC ball itself is like gonna be really really fab we have a really good lineup like I said before we have uh, DJ Mike Q who will play later and Quay Dash um, as well as a local band Electric Fields and a few local DJs as well and how, how can people get tickets and is it like what's how it's a cost and yeah you know, when when should they get on board uh, you can jump on the Mardi Gras website, follow the links to Sissy Ball. I'm pretty sure early bird tickets have sold out. So I think uh, second release tickets are on now. And I think it's like 50 to $60. Um, but get on it quickly because I'm sure it'll sell out. Well, Benji, thank you so much thank for coming so on the much, show. Thank you so much, I really, really appreciate it. Now, look, you've got one last song for us, which is I'm, I'm assuming is going to be some kind of incredible banger, right? What is yes, it? DJ Mike Q. So DJ Mike Q is like the DJ, like the iconic DJ from the, you know, ballroom scene in New York. He's a dear friend of mine. This is a really fab remix that he has done. 
Um, and it's called Fingers Up. Speaking of tongues, I be spitting this shit that be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking of tongues, I be spitting this shit that be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking of tongues, I be spitting this shit that be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Probably the reason why bitches be hating and waiting to comment on all of my shit. Speaking of tongues, I be spitting this shit that be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking of tongues, I be spitting this shit that be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking of tongues, I be spitting this shit that be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Probably the reason why bitches be hating and waiting to comment on all of my shit. Speaking the tongues, I be spitting this shit to be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking the tongues, I be spitting this shit to be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking the tongues, I be spitting this shit to be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Probably the reason why bitches be hitting and waiting to comment on all of my shit. Speaking the tongues, I be spitting this shit to be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking the tongues, I be spitting this shit to be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Speaking the tongues, I be spitting this shit to be having these weak bitches ready to quit. Probably the reason why bitches be hitting and waiting to comment on all of my shit. Speaking the tongues, I be spitting. Radio 94.5.